0: Hello, and welcome to episode 242 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Lama A, Jets B, Megan W, and Katie R to The Modern Manager community. One of the greatest perks of membership is the private podcast feed that has extended interviews with each of my guests. You get an additional 10 minutes with each person. So it's a reasonable amount of time to listen, but you get even more insights to improve your management capabilities. The private podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. So when you join, you'll just click the link from your email to access the feed and subscribe. And it's only $5 per month. Plus that membership includes the full sketch note for each episode. So you get my takeaways from the interview in a beautiful one pager for easy reference. Learn about all the member benefits and join our growing community at themodernmanager.com join. Today's guest is Robin Hills. Robin is the director of EI for Change, a company specializing in educational training, coaching, and personal development focused around emotional intelligence, positive psychology, and neuroscience. He has taught over 300,000 people in more than 195 countries how to build resilience, increase self-awareness, and understanding of others. Robin and I talk about emotional intelligence. He breaks down the components of EQ, including how to better understand yourself so you can develop your emotional intelligence skill set.
1: You are listening to the Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart.
0: It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you this morning, Robin. Thank you so much for joining me. We got a big topic. I mean, emotional intelligence is is a big thing. So um, I'd like to just dive in if that's okay with you.
2: Yeah, no problems at all. But before I do that, thank you for having me on the show, Mamie. It's absolutely wonderful to be speaking with you. So let's define what emotional intelligence is for your listeners. And very, very quickly and very briefly, Emotional intelligence is the way in which you combine your thinking with your feelings in order to make good quality decisions and build up authentic relationships. Now, that all sounds very easy and very simple, but it takes a lifetime to achieve it. And some people get there and many people don't.
0: That is probably the most simple definition of emotional intelligence I've ever heard. And I just, I love it. Can you just repeat it one more time? Because I think it's so succinct and so clear and and really actionable in some ways.
2: Sure. Emotional intelligence is being smart with your thinking. It's combining your thinking with your feelings in order to make quality decisions and build up authentic relationships.
0: So beautiful. Okay. So, I'm afraid to ask, how do we do that? Because I know that's just a big can of worms that's way impossible to, to answer. So maybe we can break it down a little bit. Where do you think we should start by to unpack how we develop our emotional intelligence?
2: Well, there are a number of components of emotional intelligence. And I think the easiest way to unpick it is to look at what goes on in your inner world. This is what goes on inside your head, it's what goes on inside your mind, it's what goes on inside your body, it's your psychology, it's your physiology, and a good manager with emotional intelligence will have a degree of self-awareness. They will know what makes them good at what they do, they will understand what their strengths are, they will know where their limitations lie, and they will work with both of those in an appropriate way. And then the next component of emotional intelligence is self regulation, the way in which you work with and manage your emotions. So, how do you control yourself when you are particularly angry with somebody? How do you work with somebody when you're very pleased that they've done a really good job? How do you show and appreciate that person? So, how do you regulate your emotion? And then When we go and work with other people, we're working in the outer world, the outer world of things, people, events, circumstances, situations. And to use our emotional intelligence in the outer world, we need to look at the components of empathy. How do we see things from other people's perspectives? How do we work with their viewpoint? How do we engage with them, both in terms of how they're thinking And in how they're feeling? And then, how do we use our social skills to communicate with them effectively when we're working with them on a one to one basis in small groups or in large teams? And finally, none of this will work unless we actually look at the fifth component of emotional intelligence, which a lot of people overlook, and that's motivation. How do I motivate myself to utilize my self awareness and my emotions? and how do i utilize my motivation to influence and persuade other people
0: so that so that is a that feels like a lot of things that we have to do in order to really level up our emotional intelligence and i'm wondering if we could dive into this that first piece of it about really understanding yourself cuz i think that it seems to me like that might be the prerequisite to be able to do a lot of these other pieces that you mentioned. Well, first of all, is is that right?
2: Yes, I would agree with you there, Mamie. Let's have a look at what goes on inside our inner world and how we can utilize that in ways that make us a much better influencer and persuader of other people. So if we look at self-awareness, self-awareness is something that a lot of managers within organizations are being encouraged to look at. And good organizations will support their managers by helping them to understand that they're not born with the skills of being a great manager. Many people actually have to learn these skills when they're on the job. Now, most people are promoted into a management role having done a previous role, and they're then suddenly given the role of leading, managing, and working. People in order to improve their performance. And a lot of people find it very difficult to make the transition from being a doer to a manager of people who do the doing. And a lot of people find it very, very challenging because they don't necessarily have that capability. They think that what they were good at in terms of doing their previous role will carry them over and it will help them to become a very good manager because all they've got to do is to tell people what to do in the most appropriate way. Do it the way I did it and you'll be successful like me. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't work in a lot of circumstances. So the manager then has to really inwardly look at themselves to determine what it is that they need to do to change and how they need to change themselves to move from being a doer to being a manager. And a lot of people find that very challenging because it requires a different set of skills and a different set of behaviors. So because they were good at their previous role, doesn't mean to say that they apply those skills, those strengths, to being a manager, they've got to develop these different skills, as I say. So, part of the self awareness is actually to come to terms with the fact that they're not that good at people management in the first instance, and they've got to learn these new skills as they settle into the role and as they develop within the role. And that takes time, and they will need a lot of support. They will need a lot of support from their team. And they will also need a lot of support from their own manager. And their own manager is there to help them and to support them in most cases to try and do a good job. So, of course, that involves this inward reflection around self-awareness, but it also involves very much the self-regulation and the emotional management and emotional control That's required in order to make those changes and affect those changes.
0: I'm wondering if there are specific questions that people should be asking themselves to reflect on, or if there are particular activities or kind of ways to go about doing that self reflection, doing that self, developing that self awareness. Because it's one thing to just kind of be like, okay, like flip the switch. I'm not a good manager. This is new for me. I need to learn it. And it's a totally different thing to really understand yourself and where you have strengths either naturally or from previous experience that you've developed or where you have significant gaps so that you can really invest in those areas. So are there, are there practices that you've used with your clients or maybe you have a story of, of someone and how they went through that process?
2: Sure. I I think that what I would encourage everybody to do in this type of position when they move into a new role is to take a psychometric, a personality or a behavioral assessment, such as the Myers-Briggs type indicator or a DISC assessment or a, a strength finder assessment. They're very good at giving you the insights that you need as you make your transition into your new role they will appreciatively help you to understand what your strengths are and how you can apply them. And they will also appreciatively help you to determine where your limitations lie, and they will also help you that way. So if you're working within a large corporate organization, I would, first of all, have a word with the HR department to see if they've got a particular assessment that they favor, and they can give you some support as you move into your new role. If you're in a smaller organization, or the organization doesn't necessarily offer that to you, then consider taking an assessment yourself. There are some great assessments online. There are some free assessments. I would caution people about taking some of the free assessments. Some of them are really good, but I think it would be more appropriate to take an assessment with a qualified practitioner who can actually give you some really good insights, some support and some coaching when you're actually analyzing and working with your results. Now, I know that when I started out as a leader and a manager, I became absolutely fascinated with the Myers-Briggs type indicator and what that was showing me in terms of how I work with people and how I make decisions and how I process information and how I choose to live my life. And on the basis of that, I then went and became qualified to become a practitioner. And I found it so useful in terms of helping people to gain insights when they step into new roles, that this is the reason why I'm encouraging you and all your listeners to really consider this as being a fundamental tool to use when you move into a management role. Or indeed, if you've been in a management role for a number of years and you want to get better, I would encourage you to, to look at these assessments even then.
0: I also, I'm a huge fan of assessments because it just paints a very clear picture. And even though it may just be a snapshot in time, there's so many insights that you can gain so quickly.
2: They are brilliant for giving you that self-awareness, aren't they? Yes,
0: yes, they are. And also, I found helping you understand other people, too, because sometimes in the process of understanding yourself, you start to understand, oh, now I'm starting to understand my team members who may be different from me. And I never really connected those dots before in that way.
2: And it will also help you to appreciate what those differences are, because Mm -hmm. we can't all be good at everything. So if there are members of your team that are very good, say, at networking, and that's not one of your key strengths, then it may be more appropriate to get those team members to go and do that element with you, with your support. Or if you're not very good at the budgetary and the cost analysis, is there a member of your team who can support you by doing that and giving you the guidance there?
0: Oh, yes. So important to remember that we don't have to do it all just because we're the manager.
2: Yeah, I think that's part of the realization that managers need to have when they move into the role. They're not there because they're a purveyor of everything and they're really skilled at everything. They're there for certain reasons. So the self awareness piece will help them to understand yes, this is where my core strengths lie. This is what I'm really good at. And this is perhaps something that I'm not so good at. So if I'm not so good at it, let me give it to somebody else who will do a much better job than me.
0: So I want to circle back to the emotional regulation piece, because you mentioned that that is also kind of an essential part of coming to terms with your strengths and your opportunities for growth and being able to interact with your colleagues. So can you talk more about how emotional regulation plays out and how we might start to improve in that area?
2: Sure. I I think the easiest thing to do is to look at some of the simple basic emotions that we're all very, very familiar with. And the one that seems to surface quite regularly when I'm talking about the workplace is anger. And people can get angry very, very easily. And certain Behaviors, certain team behaviors can cause people frustration, annoyance, and anger. So, actually, how do you work with anger in a positive way? Because anger is demonstrating to you that one of your core values or one of your core principles has been transgressed. Somebody is doing something that you don't like. Now, you've got to actually question yourself why don't I like this action or behavior? Is it something that they're doing that is going against my core values, is going against the team's core values, and going against the organization's core values, in which case you need to manage it very quickly and very effectively? Or am I angry because of something that they're actually showing up within me as a person? Are they capable of doing something that I'm not? Are they actually behaving in a way that I would like to behave? Or are they doing something that is making me angry because of my own limitations? What is it? So part of understanding self-regulation and emotional control is to understand some of your hot buttons, some of the things that are going to cause you to be angry. So if you can actually recognize that, then if people are starting to behave in that way, and it's happening a lot, you can actually have a a very cathartic conversation with somebody to say, when you behave in this way, it causes me to feel angry. How can we together make sure that you can deliver what you need to deliver without it causing me these issues and these problems? Now, it all sounds very logical, And a good way of doing that. But we've got to remember that we're talking about emotions here. And when emotions are at the forefront of what we're doing, and they're very raw and very intense, we will react in certain ways. So once we have an understanding of certain things are hitting my hot button, and I'm reacting in that way, then you can actually then stop, take a breath, and say, right, my hot button's been hit now. I recognize that I'm feeling intensely angry. How am I going to manage it? And if you can train yourself to do that, you can either go for a walk, go and get a cup of tea or a cup of water, go to the toilet for 10 minutes, whatever it is that you need to do to take yourself away from the situation. If that's not possible, ask for timeout, ask for a short breather, ask for a short break. Or recognize that you're perhaps not going to be responding in the best manner.
0: It's that generating that self-awareness in the moment, right? This is where they come together. And I know I coach my clients and I do this for myself too, which is what are my physical signs that I'm getting frustrated or upset or even angry and, like, there are certain things that I know I do where, like, I start rubbing my hands together. I can feel, like, the heat in my chest starting to build up. And in some ways, it's it's been really helpful for me to recognize, oh, I'm rubbing my hands together. Oh, yeah, I am really feeling like my heart is pounding and my chest is warm. Oh, okay, I need to pause. <laughs> And once I started tuning into those physical symptoms, it got so much easier for me to recognize the emotions that were behind those symptoms. And then being able to take a step back to say, okay, why? I loved your framing that sometimes we get upset because someone's going against one of our core values. And sometimes it's because we wish we could be like that and we are not, and it's rubbing up against our limitations. And we have to remember that that is so important too, to recognize when we're looking in the mirror and seeing what we want and not feeling like we can get there.
2: Sure. And I think everybody needs to recognize their own physical sensations of anger. You've described how it affects you, Mamie. When when I get incredibly angry, my head starts to feel as if it's going to explode. And also I get a prickle at the back of my neck. And that is telling me I'm starting to get really, really angry. Now, I think the other important thing to, uh, to stress here is that I'm human like you are, maybe. So even knowing and recognizing mm-hmm. all the symptoms and even studying and being an advocate for emotional intelligence, there are times when I just do not get it right. I get it wrong. And the only way for me to react in that situation is to get angry. And, I don't do it particularly well, but I've learned over the years to control myself better. And I've also learned over the years to express my anger in more appropriate ways. And people have also realized that they can push, they can push, they can push, they can push, but up to a certain point. And it happens with everybody. It happens with your brothers and your sisters. It happens with your. Partner, it happens with your relations. Some people will know, well, you'll have a better understanding of some people than others, and some people will have a better understanding of you than others. And brothers and sisters are really good at knowing what hot buttons are, and they also know (laughs) how and when to press them. And also, partners do the same.
0: Uh, Oh, yes. All right, let's. Let's talk about this other dimension of emotional regulation that you mentioned earlier around showing appreciation. And I know when I did an emotional intelligence assessment a couple of years ago, there was a segment around, can people read emotions on your face? Can they kind of know what you're feeling? And I thought, oh, for sure people know what I'm feeling. And the responses I got back was that people have no clue what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, which was really surprising to me going back to the self-awareness piece. Because I feel like I'm so happy and I like share in this bright bubbly way, but apparently that's not always perceived. So can you talk a little bit about the emotions around happiness and appreciation and how how do we kind of regulate those appropriately?
2: Yes, I I think the the interesting thing with happiness is that everybody makes a great play for happiness. Oh, I want my people to be happy. I want my team to be happy. No, you don't. That's an ideal state of nirvana that everybody would really aspire to. But happiness is a short-lived emotion. We get little bursts of happiness, which are brilliant when we get them. But to be in that heightened state of happiness all the time would mean that we're not capable of making good quality decisions. We'll ignore certain important bits of data. We'll take silly risks. So imagine yourself trying to communicate with somebody who's deliriously happy all the time. I need to have a serious conversation with you about the sales figures because we're not going to hit our quarter four targets. Oh, don't worry. Be happy. Hello, trees. Hello, grass. Hello, flowers. Oh, look, the sun's shining. I'm really happy. That's not an appropriate emotion in those sort of situations. The seriousness of the situation is such that We need to discuss the issues at hand. So let's drop the happiness and let's look at how we can adapt to the seriousness of the situation and deal with the issue in an appropriate way. So uh, happiness is one of these great states, as I say, that everybody aspires to. As managers, what we want our people to feel is we want them to feel challenged, And we want them to feel content in that challenge. And we want them to feel supported. And we want them to feel that we appreciate them. And we want them to feel that there is gratitude for them in the work that we do. So as managers, it is vitally important to do something that a lot of senior managers and, and a lot of senior leaders completely forget to do. And that's to use two words. Actually, it's three words, but to use two phrases. One is please, and the other one is thank you. And you wouldn't you be surprised the value that those words can have when you actually, I'm really pleased with the work that you've done I really appreciate the fact that you've taken a lot of time, a lot of effort. You've looked at this data. You've come up with some interesting conclusions that I wouldn't have come up with. Thank you. That's far more meaningful to people. And you'll get far better support and far better work from that person because you've done it rather than the fact that, oh, I don't use peace, please, and thank you. I don't want my people to be needy. Oh, don't be silly. Everybody likes a please. Everybody likes a thank you, and good grief, it gets knocked into us at such an early age. It's not childish to use those words.
0: oh my gosh yes, yes we we definitely need need to bring those words deeper into our vocabulary. All right, last question before we have to to wrap up. so I was don't reading cry, are we there already? <laughs> I know I know okay. <laughs> So we, I was reading some of your work and stress management came up. And I feel like emotions and emotional control and understanding your triggers and like all of that kind of plays into stress management. So I'm wondering if you could just say a little bit about how developing your emotional intelligence or kind of these practices we've talked about can help you with better stress management.
2: Well, if we go back to our earlier part or the earlier part of the conversation where we were talking about hot buttons if you have an awareness of your hot buttons, it will help you to manage stress because it will take away some of the intensity around some of those emotions, which may cause you problems if you react in an inappropriate way. So that that is, is one way of starting to work with stress. What is it that causes you to be stressed? And what causes you to be stressed? Maybe It may not necessarily cause me to be stressed and what causes me stress today may not cause me stress in a week's time so what is it that's causing you stress and why are you feeling these emotions around stress at this particular moment in time and what can you do about them again very easy for me to talk about and say in the light of day very difficult to work with in the intense heat of the moment i Practice, which is absolutely vital for us to all work on and to become better at, is mindfulness. And with mindfulness, I mean really being aware of what's going on in the present moment and to accept it with gratitude in an unjudgmental way. So working very much in the present moment is something that all managers should Really, really focus on doing.
0: All right. So, to wrap us up, can you tell us, Robin, about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Y-
2: yes, I'd like to take that question and I'd like to kind of answer in a different way, Mamie, because I, l- I look back on my career, which now extends over a 40 year period. And I would like to say that. Some of the most memorable managers were not great managers. They were really, really awful managers. And the thing is, they resonate with me because I learned so much from them. And what I learned was how not to manage. And those are four lessons that I've taken and worked upon so that I now know what. Not to do because of them, not despite them. And I'm very, very grateful to those managers. Now, if ever I was to meet them again, I would certainly not say to them, Oh, you were a great manager for me because you were so bad. That's not the conversation I would want to have with them. But some of the things that they've done over the years, I look back and I think, Yeah, I now know not what to do. And I think if I look back at the most intense manager that I've ever had who was most challenging and is the most awful manager to work for. And to put a name on that manager, his name is Robin Hills.
0: (laughs) I love it. And it's so important to remember that we can learn from good experiences and challenging experiences. All right. Lastly, where can people learn more about you, keep up with your work, all that good stuff?
2: Yes, the website is uh, ei4change.com, E-I, 4 eiei for emotional intelligence, the number for change.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Robin Hills. You can find me on Facebook, Robin Hills. You can find me on Twitter, E-I for change. So please come and look for me, connect with me. And if you've got any questions, if I can help you in any way, please ask.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me, Robin. This was a wonderful conversation. I definitely learned a lot, and I look forward to trying out and developing even more of my own emotional intelligence.
2: Thank you, Mamie, and I'm eager to do the same too. Thank you.
0: Robin is offering his Working with Mindfulness course for free to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. This course supports the development of a manager's emotional intelligence by helping them to work more effectively with mindfulness. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join, or check out the Skills Accelerator, which includes a patron-level membership. To get that, go to themodernmanager.com slash skills-accelerator. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.